listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. This is the Pain Pod. You want to see pain? Look at these. Welcome to the Pain Pod, the podcast for all things pain management. Hosted by the pain guy, Dr. Mark Grofoli. We'll be collaborating with numerous pain management experts, talking about substance usage disorders, the latest treatment modalities, and most important, important. focusing on the pain of our patients as leading providers of pain care. And now, here's our host, a man wanted in all 50 states, a suburban city-like mountain man, without the beard, from the hills of West Virginia, and certified in weapons of mass destruction response, it's Dr. Mark Garofoli. All right, welcome back, everyone, to the Pain Pod. So, I'm sure you like, like always, you probably got a lot going on in life. So, I uh, want to remind everybody first off here of uh, kind of the one-stop shop for all things pain management and a little bit beyond. Not only the Pain Pod, what we're all here uh, talking through right now, uh, but you can certainly hit up PainGuy.us. Yes, that is uh, my website now as PainGuy. It is not .com of note. It was just too darn expensive. Uh, so head on over to painguy.us and you could actually find um, these pain pod episodes on there as well. In addition to a TED talk, um, you know, a little bit of contact information, you could always feel free to reach out uh, via painguy.us or LinkedIn. That works too. Uh, but we also have a headlines section and a resources section. A lot of folks are using to get uh, pain management guidelines and some other information. Uh, and then, of course, now uh, the Pain Press, uh, the newsletter of Pain Guy at all, because it takes a village, right? All right. So that's all the PainGuy.us stuff. But here today, we are actually here to talk about dun, 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 DEA red flags. Yes, folks, uh, it's almost like it's, uh, you know, Formula One racing on the Las Vegas Boulevard or something. We are raising flags, right? Uh, so... We're going to dive into uh, all things DEA red flags and beyond, because turns out there's actually controlled substance concerns well beyond the quote unquote documented red flags. Okay, um, to get there though, let's let's start our journey with uh, just a couple seconds here, a couple hot seconds of some history. So, you know, uh, turn of the last century, so just over a hundred years ago, man, time flies. Uh, we had the same substances out there in society as we have today. Uh, take heroin for instance; it was on shelves everywhere for um, you know perhaps pain, but also things like cough and well, just a rough day. Uh, then we had products. Um, oh, my goodness. You talk about drug drug interactions or polypharmacy. There's multiple products out there 100 years ago that had uh, things like alcohol, cannabis and morphine all combined into one. Yeah. One bottle. What a wonder. Right. Good golly. And then I, I'm sure many of you have seen uh, the asthma cigarettes are, were out there. Yeah, these uh, cigarettes to utilize for someone with asthma. So that's how we did it, uh, you know, over well over a century ago. And that was status quo. Okay. Uh, then in uh, 1914, that's when the Harrison Narcotic Tax Act came around. That's the first mix of government taxes and drugs. 
medications, substances, right? Um, money entered the game and the government entered the game, right? Uh, then you fast forward half a century later in 1970, we had the Controlled Substance Act. We are all down with that, right? Uh, that uh, did many things. One of the things, though, was, of course, create our controlled substance classes that still exist today. Uh, some debate on the whole objective placement of medications into each class, or perhaps a little taste of subjective. Look no further than ethyl alcohol, right? Remember the days? Legal, illegal, and then legal again, right? With some restrictions here and there, like uh, I live in Wild and Wonderful, West Virginia, you can't buy that stuff in the store uh, before like 1 p.m. Uh, on a Sunday. Go figure. Um, I'm, I'm sure that was out there to really just eliminate any concerns, right? Good golly. Um, anyway, so that leads us into the DEA, okay? Uh, Drug Enforcement Administration, or DEA, uh, came about back in 1973 when the president, uh, was President Nixon, uh, basically signed an executive order, uh, became uh, part of the Department of Justice, which is within our country's presidential cabinet. There, we went political without going political. It, it, we went back to like, what, seventh grade of like remembering, you know, how our country's organized. All right, now that we got that understanding there, let's uh, let's pretend we're at a stoplight, okay? Uh, you got red, you got yellow, and you got green. What does red mean? Stop. What does yellow mean? No, it doesn't mean go faster. Who said that? It means slow it down, right? Uh, green means go, all right? So, like, uh, you know, we were pretending we were in seventh grade. Now we could pretend we're in kindergarten playing red, light, green, light, go, or whatever in the in the schoolyard, right? Well, uh, here we're going to, the reason I bring up those colors is when we talk about DEA red flags, should they really be red? Um, I've talked to some folks out there that are like, man, they should be like green. And I'm like, eh, I think we're missing the, the bill on that one. All right. Uh, extremes typically don't really work out. Right. Maybe they should be yellow. Maybe they should be orange. Maybe they should just be some considerations that are beyond obvious that in totality can really mean uh, that conversations are needed. Right. So whether we focus on the color or the concepts or whatever we've got going on, any conversation about DEA red flags and general controlled substance concerns really uh, should have one mantra to it. Pigs live, hogs die. That's it. OK, uh, so this isn't a contentious conversation. Uh, I, I, I'm sure you, like me, probably attended various presentations going over. This is what the red flags are. Um, yeah. But then what do we do? Right. Uh, and is it really individual or is it the totality or the combination? Hence, the pigs live, hogs die. Right. Uh, it's the distinction between criminal and clinical. And boy, that's huge. Right. Now, in any given audience, you, you, the vast majority of folks or any given population of healthcare professionals or really anybody, vast majority of folks looking to do good things. Right. Just uh, get stuck in the mud sometimes because we deal with humans. And that leads us down a road of, hey, there's tricky situations. There's one-offs here and there, right? It's like following a guideline. Um, it, it's recommendations that are strong recommendations, but you got to look at the whole picture, right? It's when it's the same thing over and over again, record on repeat, time and time again with multiple, multiple piling concerns. That's where it gets a little bit muddy, okay? Whether it's a pig, whether it's a hog, it's in the mud and that's a concern. So um, I, I may have shared before, but uh, in, in uh, I've done some expert witness work, and it's even been with our Department of Justice. And um, in, in talking with those folks, uh, absolutely amazing uh, work that's being done at the federal level in our country, um, I, I did have a concern of thinking, hey, where are these red flags published? 
All right. In healthcare, we roll with evidence-based practice. We look for things being published. It's what we do, right? Uh, and you really can't find them anywhere. They're embedded in court cases, which you actually have to like have a JD or a license thereof, um, and you know sign up for a membership to get to these sites that have these court documents. It's it's pretty nebulous to say the least. Okay, it's not readily available by Doctor Google by any means or even PubMed or anything like that, right? Um, so um, didn't work out for collaboration at the federal level to publish something. So went to friends over at Practical Pain Management and we uh, uh, published a, an article called Prescribing and Dispensing Controlled Substances, When to Pump the Brakes, okay? Again, picture we're at that light. Is it red? Is it yellow? Is it green? Just be ready with the brakes, right? Even if it's a self-driving car, you gotta have that foot around there to save someone's life, right? Um, and the idea there was to put these red flags out there and then also the rest of controlled substance concerns too. All right, let's get into it, okay? When we're looking at DEA red flags, we're typically looking at those for prescribers and those for dispensers, okay? And then it turns out we all work together, so there's overlap, right? Um, so as far as the documented, quote unquote, DEA red flags for prescribers, we got the geography concerns people driving or even flying uh, far distances to get to um, the, the source of prescriptions. Uh, we got people paying out of pocket or let's just call it cash. I mean, who actually uses cash anymore? You can't even go to a ball game anymore with cash. They have a reverse ATM. Seriously, Google it. You, you put money in, you get a card out. It's amazing. Man, what a century. Anyways, uh, then there's the idea of another red flag for prescribers of having lots of prescriptions every day as in business is good or it's an efficient practice, right? Um, by the way, we're only through three of them. You might already be thinking, hmm, I can think of individual cases where these are perfectly fine scenarios. And you, my friend, are absolutely correct. I agree 100%, 120% if that was possible. It's when you look at record on repeat, right? Um, and the, the overall idea there of multiple things happening all, all the time there, or at least a, a, the bandwidth is big even for one or if not two concerns. Uh, speaking of record on repeat, then there's the uh, you know same prescriptions uh, being prescribed for all. Well, that, you know, I mean, does everybody get simvastatin or is there a little bit of, uh, you know, diversity in that um, well outside of pain management obviously um, and and also uh, same combinations of uh, you know the, the cocktails as some would say so those are the five there geography cash lots of scripts record on repeat for individual prescriptions and then the combinations the cocktails now speaking of the cocktails i always uh, like to put a little bit extra sauce on that one um, there's a lot of folks talk about oh the quote-unquote holy trinity now I'm not going religious on us here, folks, all right? But like, there's nothing holy about that. So let's just call it the unholy trinity. What about the quattro killer? That's adding one more on there. So you got like opioid, benzo, sedative, hypnotic, quote unquote, muscle relaxant, you know, the island of misfit medicines, uh, things like that. Um, or the infamous opioid benzo along the way too. Or maybe you could call that bozo if you combine them, right? That's just from this guy's mind. Anyways, that that's 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 pretty much it as far as red flags for prescribers. Now let's jump into the realm of dispensers here, okay? Now, when you're looking at a pharmacy, what about the uh, technically they say the ratio, but you can look at it like the percentage of controlled substances being dispensed compared to non-controls. In other words, should a pharmacy in any community have a scenario or multiple pharmacies have a scenario uh, where 90% of the medications being dispensed are controlled substances? In other words, does no one have any cardiovascular issues in town or anything else going on? Now, 
there's certainly one-offs here and there. There might be ultra specialized practices and all of that, but it at least raises a further conversation. It might be a quick conversation, but at least it's a conversation, right? Um, now, beyond the percentage or ratio of controls for any given pharmacy, um, there's obviously, of course, if there's just a, a high, a large number of, of uh, controlled substance scripts as well. Now, back to that first one, though. What's the magic number? I mean, how much is too much? Yeah, it's one of those things where we can't put pen to paper, but mm, we know when it's worthy of further questioning and conversation, right? All right. Uh, so for back to the DEA red flags for dispensers. So we talked about record on repeat for prescribers, but uh, in a dispensing sense, it's record on repeat um, to, to all from the same prescriber. Same thing, but now in the dispensing role. The geography thing comes up, of course. Okay, we'll talk about that more later. Um, and then um, this is one. Uh, same last name and address. Uh, like people aren't allowed to live together or be married anymore. Um, I, you know, but more than that, okay, it's more than just being husband and wife or cousins or whatever, okay? It, it's that adding on to other red flags. It's the totality of the situation, okay? The one-offs are not what's out there to get us, folks. All right, another uh, semi-unique one, pretty much unique to dispensing, though, uh, would be sequentially numbered prescriptions from the same prescriber. What the heck is that saying? So when you file the prescriptions, if we're still down with papyrus, um, you know, they're all in order. Uh, and uh, it's saying, oh, everybody came at the same time because you file them as they come in, right? So that's basically saying, yeah, a, a big old van came right from the clinic and came to the pharmacy and they were doing that repeatedly. And it kind of mimicked the actions of pill mills driving the Oxy Express highways from south to north or vice versa, decades past, right? So that that's uh, all of a sudden becomes a big thing, right? But it's just stuff to watch for. Um, and then, of course, you got the uh, one patient with, uh, say, multiple controlled substances uh, being prescribed from multiple prescribers. Is this like not allowed to happen? No, of course it happens, right? But it just it warrants at least like a question or two, or again a conversation, not necessarily questions. But um, you know, a lot of prescribers will work in the same practice. Um, if I had a nickel for every time I had a, a doc say, "Hey, Marco, what's the deal with these letters from the board?" Um, they're saying it's from uh, they got I prescribed an opioid and uh, somebody else prescribed a benzo. Um, they're on my payroll. It's the same building. We're interprofessional, psych side and pain side, and everybody working together. Good golly, right? Um, but again, um, in a different realm, it can certainly be a concern. So you know, it's hard to throw the blanket to everyone. Uh, the last uh, red flag there on dispensing side would probably be early refills, right? I mean, we've all been there, right? Um, what, what's the rule that we go with then? Uh, what, is it, what do people do? Do they, you know, do the, hey, you got to wait until the, the exact day? Or is it, well, the insurance sometimes allows three days early. So then over the course of a year, it's like an entire monthly prescription that's extra when you think about it like that. Um, you know, those are things for all of us to think about before we're in the moment, right? All right. So that's like pretty much the hot and heavy when it comes to the DEA red flags for prescribers and dispensers. Alas, there's more. Okay. The podcast shall continue. The pain pod will go on. Uh, wanted to go over a couple more things because turns out when we uh, deal in reality, there's more than just those red flags. Okay. Uh, there was actually an article in uh, in Drug Topics. Uh, it was in April of 2023, and they went over a red flag conversation for chain pharmacies specifically. Okay, um, so you can check that one out. We'll have it in the show notes as well too. Uh, but that was really going into the realm of like, okay, what what are what's the guidance in that specific realm? 
Is it applicable to other uh, types of community pharmacies? Certainly can be extrapolated appropriately in most situations, uh, but we you know, want to keep that in mind, but want to provide you guys you know, uh, overall with some additional references other than just paying guys article and practical pain management, right? All right, so the big picture when it comes to uh, controlled substance concerns is the gear's got to all work together. Prescribers, dispensers, and prescribers and dispensers together. Okay, it's actually required by law, but let's you know at least uh, do the do the the due diligence for our patients, right? So, what are the controlled substance concerns beyond the red flags? Okay, um, got a, a good number here for prescribers and dispensers alike. So, pay attention to regional um, medication or substance abuse trends. The, what's what's happening regionally? A really good example of this is uh, ProMeth with codeine. That's probably national at this point and has been, but um, you know, not a month goes by where I don't get uh, an email from one of the boards that I'm licensed through uh, talking about, hey, here's some fake scripts coming through for ProMeth with codeine or, or something similar uh, for XYZ prescriber and, and uh, dispensing pharmacy and whatnot. Uh, very interesting alerts that are sent out, of course. Um, but that, that's regional uh, trends that we got to pay attention to. Uh, any safety threats? Obviously, if a, a, a patient, uh, anyone's in a, a pharmacy, a clinic, any healthcare establishment, and there's a safety threat, obviously that becomes a concern. Uh, on the other side of the coin, though, what if somebody's overly flattering and complimentary and thinks you have, you know, the greatest shirt that you've, they've ever seen in, in their life? You know, the world's allowed to be nice. <laughs> But our spider sense goes off when it's like, mm, where are we going with this? It's a little bit overboard repeatedly, right? Um, other side of the coin, again, there could be a history of untruthfulness when it comes to controlled substances specifically, not judging someone's character, just in respect to controlled substances. Um, also, uh, if there's ever any physical signs or symptoms of substance abuse or withdrawal, we got to watch for that. Uh, anybody ever have the uh, scenario where somebody requests a specific medicine, the, the formulation, the dose, the NDC, aka the manufacturer? Um, uh, what about Zanny bars? Or, hey, I need my 357s, uh, those that recall the hydrocodone paracetamol scenarios, right? Those are things to keep in mind, too. Uh, but uh, what about uh, if the current provider is out of town? can't get in touch with them or even retiring or recently retired. Anybody remember, I think it was back in the 90s, The Simpsons. Good golly, that show is still going. Um, they had an episode where um, some elected official got in because the, the dead pets in the cemetery were on record of voting for them. Uh, we're not to that extreme here, but um, you know, it's hard to keep up with obituaries. But if someone's retired or even deceased, it might take a little bit to know um, for, for data systems and all that for licensing. All right. Uh, what about, you know, for those uh, in the clinic scenario, what, what if everybody's, uh, you got patients requesting the last appointment of the day or the week without a reasonable justification? You know, I, I used to do this even for some allergy shots. I was like, let's go later in the day so I can go after work, right? Um, but it's also a, a little scrupulous uh, tactic to say, all right, that's when they're going to be busy and wanting to get out of there. They'll put less attention to my scenario, right? So just things to keep in mind. Um, and also, what about if there's a reasonable belief, reasonable belief of the the script being shared or even sold for that matter? I mean, people talk. We got to be aware of things. Uh, and of course, if somebody has a criminal record of drug diversion, I mean, you know, beyond obvious there, right? All right. Uh, what about uh, for our prescribers out there? Anything specific beyond the red flags? So, you think of the pill mills of your. Um, they're lacking a medical history or physical exam or even patient charts. I, I mean, in this day and age, it's hard to believe, but amazing things happen, right? 
Um, or, you know, maybe a, a prescriber or a practice is consistently starting controls before non-controls or even non-prescription things. Um, what about if a, a patient, you know, similar, like we talked about for the community pharmacy, but in a clinic exhibiting dramatic, compelling, yet vague chief complaints. It's going to happen in a community pharmacy too. It could happen in any setting. Um, and who has not heard the, oh, uh, patient medication allergies, but they're only to the commonly utilized pain medications. I'm allergic to NSAIDs. I'm allergic to acetaminophen, uh, you know, ruling out things. By the way, we're human. Those things can happen. It's just it'd be interesting if you have a lot of folks or other red flags or concerns in addition to these, right? Um, or uh, particularly in a, a clinic setting or office setting, uh, urine drug monitoring is negative for the prescribed medications and or the metabolites, by the way. That's a concern. Um, or if symptoms are contradicting you know, the, the, what you're clinically observing along the way there, too. All right. Um, what about uh, patients going to multiple pharmacies? Okay. In this day and age, our healthcare system is mighty wicked, right? Uh, it turns out you could shop around and save money, just like you can do for anything else on this planet. But sometimes it's a, a little bit more of a concern when it's not really looking for cost savings along the way. Um, or anybody ever have the scenario where uh, somebody comes in with uh, various multiple prescriptions but only wants the controlled substance filled? That's a conversation, right? Um, what if somebody's picking up a controlled substance prescription for someone else? I mean, you know, if I get hurt, my wife might pick something up for me, right? But that's a that's probably a verified justification, right? You just verify it, double check along the way. But you know, if not verified, then it it opens up a door. Uh, of course, if a prescription is outside the scope of a, the prescriber's practice, it's one of the part of the corresponding legal responsibility, right? Um, and then, um, you know, if there if there's any of the paper scripts, you know, anything looks to be altered or forged. I, I mean, I, I I think we I don't know if everybody has, but I've observed scenarios where people had uh, prescriptions written in crayon. Like, I think you need to up your game here. Good golly. Um, uh, or what about if another pharmacy re already refused to fill a prescription for a verified, justified uh, reason, and then it makes its way onto another pharmacy? So. We just went over a couple dozen there, right? It was the red flags, but then it was also general controlled substance concerns. And, and I'm sure it sparks conversation overall, but let's go big picture too. Uh, you know, like uh, two minutes ago, I uttered something about corresponding legal responsibility. That, that's what we've all got, okay? At the federal level for prescribers and dispensers alike, both um, having to check for a legitimate medical purpose and the usual course of a uh, healthcare professional's practice. It's those two things. That's low-hanging fruit, but that's the bare minimum. And then we go above and beyond. Now, speaking about going above and beyond, everybody remembers over 90, right? Ominous Budget Reduction Act of 1990. How does that become part of healthcare? Good golly, but it did, right? Uh, like it took a farm bill to impact uh, cannabis CBD, right? Anyways, I digress. Um, you know, over 90, it, it talked about the having to offer a consultation when dispensing medications. Basically, we were held by law to do our job, right? I, I mean, it's kind of like a kidney punch saying like, well, I mean, you have to do this, but sh shouldn't you have been doing it already anyway? Um, so hopefully we continue all of us uh, doing that here today. But I, I don't know. I, I've been a patient and I've I've encountered the uh, the age old at a pharmacy counter. I, I need you to sign here. Oh, my gosh. 
um, slightly, extremely worse than do you have any questions? Now, most folks are down with the whole idea of like, you know, asking a patient, do you have any questions? Um, I think about this scenario as like when I go to get uh, an oil change on my car or really anything automobiles. Uh, and if they say, hey, do you have any questions? I'm like, I don't even know your lingo. I, I know a carburetor. I, I couldn't, you know, tell you exactly how it works, but I'm pretty sure I know. But how do I ask any questions when I don't even know what we're talking about? Well, you know, conversely, let's go back to the pharmacy and still, instead of talking about my uh, SUV, um, what if we said, hey, this medication might turn your urine purple? Pause for effect. Do you have any other questions? Well, now we might spur some here for this chlorzoxazone concern here overall. Good golly, if you're peeing like Barney, you might come up with a couple other questions. So provide information, go above and beyond over 90, and, and go forth. All right. Now, we were talking all about these uh, DEA red flags and other controlled substance concerns, but... Uh, and kind of wrapping up here, I uh, just wanted to go over a couple uh, cases or ideas here. So here's a case that I would say it's a debate. It's it's either or. Uh, it's Pythagorean theorem or the age old. Um, those those of us out there with kids that are going over uh, some math, you, you might already be experiencing this again in life. Or the rest of us, uh, you know, can remember, hey, when we went through it. But, you know, the choo-choo's uh, leaving the train station heading east at 30 miles per hour. The other one's going west at 45. When are they going to meet at the other train station? You know, the age old math word problem, right? Uh, so we got Pythagorean theorem and then the choo-choo's, right? Um, what I mean by that is the geography question. Remember one of the, the core red flags was geography. Where are patients, prescribers, and dispensers located? Uh, so, you know, that's where we come up with the old idea there of like how far is too far or how far warrants more conversation. Now, in pain management, we got to remember that uh, there's only so many pain management specialists out there. Folks might have to drive hours to get one. But then the pharmacy should probably reasonably be located either near that uh, provider or near uh, the home of the patient. It probably shouldn't be, you know, four states and three hours away, right? I, I mean, the extremes are what really bring up these cases overall. Uh, but then, uh, you know, the real tickler is when it's like, oh, what if it's like 60 or 70 miles and we drove an hour? Is that too much? Is it, well, is it one patient or is it, you know, like... 120 patients doing the same exact route. The, you know, A squared, B squared, C squared is the same thing for everybody. Well, that's a different story, but that's where these rules and uh, thoughts come up from, right? Or what about when, um, oh, I, I, uh, I, I dropped my uh, medication and down, down the toilet, fell down the toilet. Uh, blood pressure medicine didn't fall in there, only the, the controlled substance. I, you know, what do you do when that happens, right? I mean, do you replace the medication? Here's one for you. What if it's your mother-in-law? What if it's your father-in-law? What if it's your mom or dad? If your answer changes, we would generally recommend reconsidering the original question then too, right? Uh, but in more often than not, in these scenarios, we require police reports. FYI, folks, are pretty easy to get. I mean, you call the police. Uh, they'll um, show up and go over things and provide a report. There's actually uh, certain areas, pockets across the country, you could do it online. Um, I used to live in Baltimore. That was the case. So things to keep in mind there. All right. Speaking of Baltimore, here, here's one I want to share with you that uh, actually happened in my career. So this is a, a good while ago. All right. Um, it'll be dated by the medication and the laws that we have here today. I'll leave that for your mind to ponder. But I once got a voicemail prescription for hydrocodone acetaminophen. Okay, that tells you it's been a while, right? Um, the person leaving the message stated every data point in the exact order that the little piece of paper had down for us. Everything was perfect. They pronounced every phonetic letter that was tough. 
Um, you know, the B's, D's, T's, G's, P's, you don't even know which ones I just said, right? Because I didn't say them out, like B as in boy. Um, it was perfect. Does that ever happen? Okay, spider sense went off because it was too perfect. The next question is, who are you going to call? Ghostbusters? No, you call the number they provided, right? So I did that. You know what the recording was when I called? Thank you for calling the Maryland Zoo. I believe it was the Baltimore Zoo at the time. Um, and you get a little chuckle and then, you know, you share it with your team and everybody chuckles. And then you do you move on or do you continue pursuing? It's pretty much uh, really intelligent on the behalf of that person doing that because it gave another exit point um, that was followed through with and, and actually went to court. Uh, very interesting scenario overall. So um, ask about it. If we're ever hanging out in person, ask about it. We can go deeper. But one of the things that comes up in there is checking a DEA number. So we'll leave it at that point, I guess. Uh, but it, it's the easiest math, but we make it like anything else in healthcare so complicated. Uh, you got the DA number and you pretty much have, you know, A, B, F, G uh, for physician or M for mid-level provider. Remember the X is gone, folks. X, ancient history. Uh, the second letter is the first letter of the last name. And then you have all the numbers. The last digit is the combination of adding the odds, adding the evens and doubling them, getting that number and the number to the right. Yeah, that always works out really well for describing without any visuals, right? Um, here's what you want to do. If you want to teach it to anybody, remember the number AP123456-3. You go one, two, three, four, five, six, put a three at the end. It works out mathematically. There you go. You can teach anybody how to verify DEA number. All right. What do we do when uh, something hits the fan? Any of these red flags, any of these controls we talked about? Well, emotional intelligence comes up, you know, keeping it calm, cool, collected, getting rid of any personal or judgmental biases along the way. Um, you know, by the way, having a conversation with the respective prescriber or dispenser, if you're one of the other, um, they might not even be aware. You know, if a, a dispenser has a, a scrupulous situation, the, the prescriber might not even know that their name was utilized yet. Um, remember, there's two sides to every coin and it could be false positives. We could be wrong, right? So we got to remember that. Uh, conversely, when suspicious is con suspicion is confirmed, um, you know, when the dog catches the car, um, you got to remember that, you know, treatment can continue. The, re the professional relationship can continue, uh, particularly usually without controlled substances, but with other uh, options. Uh, one can always refer to an addiction specialist, of course. Uh, if there's any safety concerns, that's when law enforcement gets involved. Got to stay safe, bottom line, right? Um, want to avoid patient abandonment uh, and ensure respect universally along the way as well, too, though. Uh, if ever needing to report to the DEA, uh, they got a number. It's one eight seven seven RX abuse. Um, I'll leave it at that. Pretty straightforward. Bottom line, folks. Uh, two big points here to wrap up. Stay safe. Okay, just put a period after each word if you want to, but stay safe. No matter what, we got to stay safe. We got to have our mask on first to help everybody the next day as well, right? And remember that in in the middle of all of this that we've been talking about, an American dies every six minutes from a drug overdose think about that okay we want to stay safe we want to keep others safe we want our cake and we want to eat it too so that's that folks for the wrap up on uh, dea red flags here on the pain pod i encourage you to check out some more information on painguide.us and we'll have everything in the show notes as well till the next time folks i certainly wish you a great day every day if you'd like to join Mark on the pain pod, send us an email to publisher at pharmacypodcast.com and make sure to share the show and subscribe on your favorite podcast directory. Thanks for listening.